Feet up with tacks, don't know what to do The Bryson's are here for you We know every tip and trick It's serious tax talk with the Louisiana Twist Hello and welcome back to this month's episode of Talkin' Tax. We're excited to be back here today, and today I hope we have a great topic for you, I think. We're going to talk about some COVID pandemic relief measures, the employee retention credits, which frankly have not have really been underutilized today, and I'm quite shocked. We've started this- It's uh, confusing. Confusing, to say the least. Yes. Confusing that they're not using it, or I'm confusing them saying- What's confusing? No, no, the entire topic is confusing. (laughs) Yes, very much, very Uh, much. Much like most IRS. Yes, but today we're going to hopefully share some great information and give you a few tips on how to qualify and how to apply for this employee retention credit. It's an awesome credit and to steal one of Angie's lines. It's a credit that that applies for small businesses. And that's very unusual because everybody who runs small businesses knows us included. We don't get credits. They never give us credits. They always giving credits to the large corporations or, or to some to, to the poor. So uh, when it comes to businesses, small businesses really never get credit. So hopefully we can uh, maybe clarify some of this and clear some of this up and encourage you to maybe apply for your uh, retention credit should you qualify. So Angie, let's start. Why don't you give us a deal of what is the employee retention? You just talked about it. It's not. Let's talk about what it's not. How about that? Okay. Okay. So I think the myth that's been swirling around is that it's like the PPP, which is the Paycheck Protection Program, which was early on in COVID, where basically you applied and you got, essentially it was forgiven. So it was a grant. So it's not PPP. It's not a grant. It's not a loan. You don't have to pay it back. So it's not like the disaster loan that was part of the early COVID stuff as well. Like you you said in the intro, it's a credit. So essentially you are given credit for in the way of a refund, you're applying for and claiming a credit based upon your behavior, which is being rewarded essentially by the IRS for retaining your employees and paying them during 2020 and 21, whenever everything was just crazy, rocky, and you had no idea as an employer, we didn't know what was going to happen next, right? Nope, nobody. So you kept your people, you kept your employees in place, and you paid them throughout that time frame and in, in a time whenever you were not sure what was going to happen to your business. So you're essentially claiming a credit on your tax, your payroll tax returns. Yes. Long explanation. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, Sorry. That was kind of long, actually. Sorry. Uh, and, <laughs> Not and, to be overcomplicated. Yeah. But. And also, I probably should apologize. I think I was supposed to introduce our us in the very beginning there. I'm Carrie Bryson, for those of you that don't know, and this is Angie Bryson, my wife and law partner and and the boss. So we're here today, and I probably should have said that in the beginning. If I'm sorry about that, but yeah. So I'd like to add, too, the, in, about the credit, too. We should point out that it, it was, as Angie said, it was to reward or to compensate uh, employee, it is. It em- is. employer, yeah, to the employers for retaining their employees during the pandemic. Uh, but it applies to six quarters. So it, it applies to the credit is for qualified wages paid by qualified employers for the last three quarters of 20 
in the first three quarters of 21. So th those are the quarters we're going to be speaking of today. It'll be the six quarters there when the pandemic, when the ERC, the employee retention credit applies to those quarters. And I should add too, we're not going to talk much about it today because it's a little off, but it is part of the credit. It's not one that's being talked about is that there is another function called, it's basically the recovery startup business credit. And that's for businesses who started during COVID and actually had employees. That's only going to apply for the last two quarters of 21, the way it's kind of works out. But that's a credit that you can also get based on some wages. You, of course, you had to have employees. Same, Same deal, but it's a little different. The calculation's a little different. So how do you become eligible? I guess we need to start with that. Who qualifies for this credit? and How do they become eligible? I mean, didn't the IRS basically say that it, they estimated 80% of small businesses or people with employees would qualify or benefit, could benefit from this. Yes. Isn't that what we read? Uh, yes. Yeah. If you have a business with employees that operated essentially during 2019 or really 2020 and 2021, you should look at this. Yeah. Okay. So I think some of the confusion came about when the act was first passed. Yeah. yeah. It was, they were exclusive. You could do one or the other. They wouldn't let you do both. And I had, one or the other what? One, you could do the PPP right. yeah. or you could do the employee retention credit. And I had several clients that we'd go through the analysis and the PPP was really better. Well, that was instant money. Yeah, it was instant. It was just better for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And it was quicker and it was a forgivable loan. And the employee retention credit was is more of a refund that you had to apply for and then it eventually comes. So it wasn't quick. And at the time, Perfect. everybody was shut down. And we so everybody went PPP. Yeah. And most people, so everybody forgot about this employee retention credit because it wasn't available because it was you were excluded because everybody did the PPP. Right. Then Congress finally, they changed it. They amended it without a lot of fanfare, I would say, I think. And they said, well, you could do both. But they really didn't modify the complicated they really still haven't modified that, but it's still pretty complicated. But the tests were there. So then they had to, they actually modified it again in, in 2021 and in, toward the end of 2021. And now it's a, it's an easier test. So that's why it's becoming popular now. You may start seeing ads and some national companies, of course, are going to start jumping in and doing this. And people yeah, are it's start, already there. Yeah. yeah. They're going to start doing it and competing. And it's going to be this because it's now an easier test. So relaxed. even if before you were told you didn't qualify, you may want to check it again because you may qualify well, now. Well, based on what we're under, about to talk about. Yeah, under yeah. the different tests. And 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 frankly, I've had CPAs that have said some people didn't qualify and they did qualify because of the test we'll get into. So why don't, do you want to talk about it? You want me to talk no, about it? No, I think you've got all your notes here. So we'll I'll correct you when it's appropriate. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay, so throw I'll back to what. law school here, yes. everyone. So I'll tell you, I'll do the first one, which I think is the easiest one. And maybe you can do the last two. How about okay. that? Okay. So I think just I like to in my limited brain to good put just to, to divide it into three three tests or three ways to qualify. The first way is the revenue reduction. Okay, it's straightforward, very objective. So you look at your numbers and it's based on an income reduction. In 2020, if you had a 50% reduction of income as compared to the same quarter in 2019, then you qualify. In 2021, it's a 20% reduction of income compared to the same quarter in 2019. So it's a little bit easier in 2021. There's so there's some other alternative look backs and things you could get into if you don't qualify, but let's just leave it for that one. The simple one is revenue reduction. If you qualify for that, yeah, that's simple. That's easy. 
That's, there's really not a lot of subjective element there for you to consider. It's very based on the numbers. So, so you qualify your for gross what? income, right. qualify for the credit. And the credit, right. I guess we should say, the credit is five, you could get up to $5,000 per employee for 2020 uh, for either of the quarters, but you get up to $5,000 for the whole year, but you could qualify for any of those quarters. So if you have one quarter with a 50% reduction, then you pretty basically get the $5,000 per employee. And we could talk about what an employee is. It has to be, they have to have not 1099 workers. It has to be a W-2 worker. In 2021, it's the 20% reduction, but it goes by quarter and you can get up to $7,000 per employee per quarter. So the three quarters of 2021 can bring you $21,000 of a credit and the 2020 can get you the $5,000. So it's up to, you'll hear people say it's up to $26,000 per employee. That's if you qualify for all the quarters, quarter, right. for all the quarters of 2021. And then for one of the quarters in 2020 or two, however many it takes to get you to the five. But those amounts are the same regardless of how you qualify. Correct. So it doesn't matter what test you use. We're going to get into so the, in other the, next tests. Two, right. the other two tests. We could, there's three tests to qualify. It doesn't matter. They all bring you the same credit. You get the same the credit, but that is the credit. So it's pretty substantial. That's uh, the max you can get. Up to $26,000. be less based on the formula. And the, yes. Some, some and and, and just not to mention it again, but that recovery startup credit is up to, you can get up to $50,000 a quarter. I don't know if I need started to a new business. That's if that's when you start the business, but that's kind of that's when you started it after February of 20 and you had wages into 2021. You were paying W-2 wages. Anyway, that just to mention that, I don't want to forget that. Trying to be complete here. Yeah. So um, the first one is the income reduction. Yes. Income right. reduction. So that's a big one. That's the most straightforward way. And the simplest way is based on just gross income for the as compared to gross income for the same quarter in 2019. That's the yeah. most simplest way. Yeah, that's the one that that everyone aware of. I you could you could look at that one and see relatively yeah. easy, relatively quick. The second way you want to talk about it, me. This is the supply chain disruption. I guess yeah, we no, can talk fine. about that because yeah, that's kind of where it gets a little, uh, a little very subjective. I would say. I Go ahead. It's a little more gray, right? So I mean, a lot of the way that I understand it is. So the government issued orders, uh, shutdown orders and reduction in business hours. And if you just step back from that, a lot of people did not. And you can tell me if the conversations you're having with clients that are the same as mine, but a lot of businesses did not suffer the a, like a 50% income reduction or they haven't realized their income reduction until pretty much now. But their, the way they conducted business and the things that they did or and the, their customers did and their suppliers did and their vendors did really impacted the, their operations. And Not, so, yes. so the government shutdown orders and the modifications of the required modifications of your the way you do, did business affected your business. So just if you look at it that way. And so from that, if, the, if you were ordered to shut down, essentially. Well, that's the other test. Right. That's the government order chat. We're on the supply chain. Right. I'm just yes. looking at it from a, from an overarching standpoint. Yeah. So you could have been ordered to shut down directly or indirectly and some of your people, or you could, your supply chain could have been interrupted okay. by the government. So you're, mixing, you're mixing our test up, but oh, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. We were talking just supply chain. I was trying to make it simple, but it's very hard because they're both relying on government yeah. orders. Okay. And well, that's where know. the confusion comes in. So uh, under, under the, the way I do it, the way that I help with my clients is we look at, 
okay, there's a government order. Every, there was government orders everywhere. They had a bunch of government orders. Sure. So we know there was government orders out there. Okay. But on the supply chain, okay, under that analysis was whether the government, how the government orders affected your supply chain. Not how it affected you. It's how You're it affected. I'm just talking about supply chain. I'm just okay. talking about You're not how it shut aff- down. Yeah. How okay. it affected your supply chain. I couldn't get, we've had the restaurants that couldn't get food. We've Pups. had the car cars and car dealers who couldn't get cars or, or computers. Cars. You couldn't get computers. You couldn't get this. You could because the chips didn't come in. The supply chain was completely shut down. Still messed up. Uh, it's still messed up. And that is where the gray area comes in. What Angie just said, it's still messed up because the government order on this part of it can no longer be in effect, but the supply chain can still be messed up and you can qualify for that. And that's unique about that one, because as we get into the other test with the government order, direct or indirect, that order has to be in effect to affect your business directly. But this one is a supply chain one, which means it can even be over, but I'm still having supply chain issues which a lot of people still are having supply. We saw in that quarter. Yeah. Now it's over, but people still had it. So they can qualify for this test. It's a bit gray, which means lawyers absolutely love it and CPAs don't. So let's just, you just get that. CPAs don't really like this test because it's gray. And of course, lawyers, this is where where we live. This is where we live and where we like to live actually. Uh, So anyway, so that's the supply chain. So it's when your vendors think coming from your supply chain is affected by it, and it can be indirect or direct. And it has to be, I want to talk about a little bit about the 10% disruption or effect to your business. That doesn't mean that it's a 10% loss of income. So you need Which, to back up because yes, because this gave is ten percent. It has to nominally affect it, more than ten percent. Okay, but, not but that ten percent is not based solely on income. Now, if it did affect, if your income is down ten percent, uh, that's then you're getting back into the black and white. I got a ten. Of course, it affected. Look at my numbers. I'm I'll down ten percent. Very an, an objective way to prove that you had the right. the nominal impact, the required ten percent impact on your business. But there's other ways to get it, and it's not solely based on income. It just could have affected your operations more than you had to do other things. You could have done other things to recover the income, but the way you normally operated was completely changed, and you had to do things. So that's why the government said, or Congress said, it's not just income. If you were affected by this, we want you to get the, and that's the whole purpose of it. Think about, if you think about it for me, I have to always examine the why. Like, why is this a good thing? Because- you, your employees, the people you were paying 100% of their wages to could have been operating, uh, functioning at a 20% capacity or 20% below 100%. So if they're functioning at 80% and you're paying them 100% of their wages, then you're missing that as a company. Well, the reason you're talking about that is because that's what happened to Bryson Law Firm. Oh, we yeah. couldn't get spun up on our computers. We couldn't do our server was certain down. things. Yeah, our server was down. down or we had one or two employees who couldn't get their computers up and they sat there for four days. But, of course, we and everybody's trying to do the right thing. The employers are all sure. strong. We pay right. the people. Well, they're they're not doing anything. Wasn't their fault. Wasn't their fault. Yeah. But they're not able to work. Policy so, behind it makes right. sense. That was the right. That was the whole purpose. So that was that's the supply chain disruption, which I think is the most confusing one. Uh, maybe that's why I jumped into it because I wanted to get it over with. I want to get this over with because it's, it, I got to get right into the mud. Yes. Yeah. I like to go there to, okay. to stay there. Okay. Yeah. Recap. So you've got the business income reduction, right? 
Now you've got the supply chain disruption. Correct. One, and then the third one. It's yeah. the one that you alluded to that you started talking about. Yeah, the government audit. Shut you down. Yeah, when the government shut you down and, and directly. Now, are they shut down your customers? Are they shut down? It affected you that way. It doesn't have to be direct. Your business was shut down. Right. Your other, your customers and your people were shut, shut down. Shut you down directly or indirectly. Shut you down Which indirectly. pretty much everybody. You know, <laughs> I'm, of course. It. Or, and it could be partially too. Yeah. Like the curfew, you can't come out. You can't be out from nine to three is, the, is your curfew. Your business hours were seven to five or whatever. You had several hours there. You couldn't open. You couldn't operate. Yeah. So you couldn't. Or, you know, the easy one, an easy example is the restaurants right. had to have drive-throughs. They couldn't do dining. You know, in, in dining, in-room dining. So that was a need. That was a, that's a partial shutdown. Uh, and once again, some of those restaurants may have made the same amount of money so it's not, it wasn't an income-based, it was more an operate. I like to look at it as operationally based. It affected you 10% of the way that you would normally operate. Let's don't look at the number. Now, if you got the money, if you got the 10% loss of income, then it's an objective way to, obviously, if this ever comes to fruition, that you explaining why you took the credit, that's why it's an objective way to show it. But still, even... It, it's not required. I, I think yeah. just showing that your no, business no. was impacted operationally by 10% is enough to qualify for that. So that's the government. But the government, the point I would make the distinction between these two under these government orders is the government order when that credit ended when the government order uh, ceased. And they all ceased in 2020, 2021. Louisiana, I think we were ahead. Maybe some we weren't. All the states were different. So it depends on where you are and what you look. And some of the local governments were different. I know New Orleans had longer. They still have yeah. some. They had a longer period where they may have had some longer orders yeah. that that would be shut down. But if you get supplies out of New Orleans, your food comes from New Orleans yeah. and you're in Lafayette, then your supply chain disruption may qualify you that, although, and you're affected by that supply chain. It's going to be an Not interesting, yeah, it, an how interesting it comes out. sort out in the next three years. I agree. So just let's bring it home. For us, we had a total, we still have a total disruption of our, the way we do business yeah. because the IRS shut down, went home, no one was working, but you call the IRS or to try to get some work done for a client and nobody even answers the phone. So, I mean, that government shut down that order, that didn't indirectly so, affect so us. Should, should we jump in just to the next podcast, which is going to be these 87,000 employees there about to hide? I think just, that's, I a think that's for another day. And everybody wants to talk yeah, about, right. I think right now. Armed so, and dangerous. Yeah, armed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got to remember the ad. Armed and, yeah, the yeah. ability to shoot a weapon. So a fire weapon. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, that's... Um, That'll be the next. That'll be the next. next. I'll save that one for the next one. No, I really think the next one should be the taxpayer bill of rights in light of them. Put those two together. In light of them hiring 87,000 employees, a new IRS employee. I don't even know if people know there's a taxpayer bill of rights. I doubt it. I don't think. I'm not too sure many IRS employees know there's a taxpayer bill of rights. I know that. Yeah. So anyway, so let's get back to the credit. I think we've covered how much it is, the ways to qualify. All right. I'm out there and I'm like, wow, I think I qualify for that. How do I do what it? What do I do? What do I do? What are the mechanics. Yep. What do you do? It's pretty simple, right? You just determine whether, I really think to determine whether you qualify, you have to go through each quarter. You've got to have your books. So you want to go on the income factor if you can, because that's just straightforward, right? If you've got the income, the 50%, the 20%, why would you not? And then you do the analysis on the supply chain stuff. But the mechanics of it, once you decide, okay, I'm ready to do this, you basically have to amend your payroll tax returns, your 941 tax. Got to file a 941. 941 X, yes. 
Yeah. And to do that is, it's not super complicated. You just have to get it done. So are you just trying to not say the obvious? So just call Bryson Law Firm, we'll take care of it. Is that what you want to say? I think the kicker is maximizing your qualification. So if you qualify for income in one, which you don't in others or two or whatever, don't stop. Don't stop there. Go to that next level, step into the gray. Um, and do the analysis based on some pretty good factors that you can look at and qualify. Yeah, uh, very very good point. Because I had a client the other day that we worked on, and it was so funny because he had two quarters that we got to use the government order deal. Then he had two quarters of the income reduction that we got to use. And then we had two quarters of the supply chain disruption. So you did everything. So we used them yeah, all in one clock. I used everyone and every, in, in, uh, yeah, we had to use everyone. And, but he got the full credit. Yeah. And he got them for all the quarters. Uh, of course, right. he was happy too. But it, there's no reason. I, one of the objections we got in conversation with another lawyer the other day, well, I don't want a government handout. I, yeah. I don't oh, want any more gone. government money. No. I'm sick of the government giving away my money to all these different people. And of course, the conversation is so are we, basically. But this is not that program. This is not that the purpose of that program. I'm going to go, go back to what I said earlier. This is a situation that most small business owners are not used to because small business owners don't get typically get tax credits. Those are designed to reward research and development and what you said earlier and to assist people who need assistance, financial assistance, maybe student students, low-income earners. And so we are finally in a category where we can get some sort of credit, uh, I don't want to in more than one sense of the word, for what we contribute to the to society, basically. So we held on to our workers. We paid our workers when we were working crippled, essentially hobbling through COVID. And we should evaluate and we should take the time to, to reflect on whether we want to capitalize on a credit that's being offered to us as a reward for that, basically. So it's not a handout. It's not government money being just given away. This is money that's being, that you're asking the government for us. I'm not sure why you have to ask for it, but Hmm. that you're claiming in the way of a refund. It's your money you're claiming back. Right, that you You paid paid it in, now you want it back. Now you're claiming it back. Yeah, that's a Just like overpaying your- Yeah, that's an end around. So it's like overpaying your income tax and you get a refund. You get a refund. Right. You've overpaid your employee, your payroll tax, and now you're, you're kind of getting a refund. Right. It's not a, a simplistic way to look at it. I, yeah. That's what I really want people to take away from what I'm trying to say, which actually is important that we tell people with refunds, there are time limits to claim them. Yes. I, I'm not even sure it's on our slideshow. No, but I was, going, I was going to bring that. Yeah. I'm going to leave without mentioning that. So there, there is some urgency in the sense that the fund is limited. How much was the fund? It's $400 billion. and it's a lot of money. I don't know where they are right now. The last I heard, I looked, they were about... 50, well, 50 or 60. So yeah, I was, I was going to point that out. So you file the 941X and it gets, and it's taken about uh, a good 20 to 24 weeks yeah. to get it back. So we're, you're looking longer. at six months, probably. I tell people six months because it's the IRS and it's only getting longer, really. And you actually get a refund check for each quarter. So it's not one big right. check. It's six it come. it's six different checks. They usually come uh Together. within the first within a couple of weeks of each other, but they don't have to. It's six refund checks that you will get probably in about six months if you qualify and you today, right, what, January? Yeah, end of December, January, yeah. I'm thinking. Right. Well, Some come. are going quicker. They did a lot more resources to this. 
So they they eighty seven thousand. No, yeah. not those. They they did. So they tried to speed it up because I think some of the claims are coming. But the fund is limited, and you're also because it is a refund. You're limited by the refund statute limitations. It's three years. So I think the if my calculation's right, the first one's coming up uh, next March in March of April, March or whatever, twenty twenty three. So I think the I think it's time to get in line. I tell everybody, let's just get in line. You better get in line because the fund is going to run out and there's going to be a once it expires, it's gone. Yeah. Even if you claim yeah, well, it. Each quarter is going to have to, right, you know, it's off each quarter. So right. if the quarter start dropping off, you might want to it's time to get in line, I would say. And so to, make to sure you have proof this. that you sent that like certified mailing proof that you it was sent and received prior to that. Oh, absolutely. That date. Yes. You, know, you might a, want it's to definitely a detail key. of mechanics, but I'm all about the details. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think one thing that we didn't cover that I just popped in my mind, I think maybe we did. I just want to make sure is on the PPP loan, how that interacts. If you did get the PPP and you, you got cover that. You got the, and you're also getting the employee retention credit. There's a little calculation that's required because you're not allowed to get double dip on those wages. So the wages that were basically, in a simplistic way, the wages that were used to qualify for the PPP can't be used to qualify for the ERC. So we got to back those out out. for those quarters. It's not for the whole, because the PPP was very quick. It wasn't for six quarters, but in that one quarter, Mary, where you may have, where you may have gotten the PPP some calculations need to be done to make sure you don't double dip on some of those wages. And then, of course, the confusing thing always happens is where you straddle quarter with the PPP, and then you got to do the calculation on kind of both. But anyway, it's just calculations that can be done. But I do want to point that out because uh, that is a little extra step that you got to do. You don't get to Another use detail. the same wages yeah. for the thing. Yeah, that's all I have. If you have something else, and I think other than if somebody has some questions, please give us a call. We're going to have our slideshow posted, right, to the with a link once we get that nailed down. And it's, a, it's time sensitive, I would say, and it's not a government handout. Those are my big ones. And I don't see any reason why you shouldn't do the analysis if you if you have a business with... Uh, did, we didn't talk about the number of employees. Did we talk about the 100 employees? Oh, uh, no, I don't think we did. There are different... Basically, there's different there's rules. rules for... 100 or more employee. If, if, if you're less than 100, yeah. there's you qualify. There's no deal. Yeah. If from 100 to 500, you there's you qualify for some of the quarters, not for some. And then if you're over 500, it's very difficult to qualify. I don't know if you still consider it a small business at that point, but if you are, I think there's there, there is some ways that you can do, yeah. I think, but at that point, it's a little different and it has to be, it's like actual wages, not going to be fun. But anyway, so. That and uh, the aggregation, there's some aggregation. Yes. So if you have multiple businesses with 50% or more that you own in 50% or more ownership capacity, they'll put those employees together to get to your- You really are getting into the- To count that number. It's important for people who have- yeah. Lots of people have multiple businesses. It's just an ownership analysis. Yes. 50% or more. Yeah, they so. do aggregate like they do. Yeah. Yeah. Same aggregation rules apply. Yeah. So it could, to get to those number of employees. That's all part of the process when you do the analysis though. So yeah, I think we're pretty much covered everything. Yeah. So really just to recap, there's three ways to do this. You've got a business, business reduction component. You've got the supply chain component. You've got the government order component and none of them are mutually exclusive. So you can take advantage of all three and we're here to help. So we're going to have all of our slideshows, show notes in our uh, attached to the podcast. Visit us at priceandlawfirm.com if you have some help or you have questions, need help or have questions. And 
We look forward to next time. But we'll do this once a month. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.